like to talk and read all things books and mystery. Funny stories. The characters of youth always tend to be a sleuth. The Hardy Boys will do. Don't forget Nancy Drew. It's a clue. Hello, sleuths. I'm Karen. And I'm Kelly. Welcome to It's a Clue, a faux crime comedy podcast for illegal cosmetic chemists. We are so excited to be back with all of you and our friend Nancy, who this week is exploring the mystery of the tolling bell. Gong. Gong. Wait, that's a gong. You know what I mean. (laughs) We're getting into Foley now. We're just going to make all of our own sound effects just poorly. (laughs) Should we kick things off with our most favorite thing of all time? Yes, I've missed this so much. I'm ready. Ponder thought. Yes. So here's your thought to ponder, Karen. Okay. How would you rate your swimming skills? Like, for example, are you like a guppy or a shark? I mean, I think those were like the delineations in swim class, something like that, right? I think that sounds right. I will say this is a critical survival skill in this book in a very real high stakes way it is Uh, we're battling high tide in an enclosed cavern multiple times like we don't seem to learn our lesson here at all but that's neither here nor there (laughs) um so the question is the ponder thought is is that based on your rank of your swimming skills guppy to shark uh would you have survived the cruise adventures in the cave oh no absolutely not i would be yeah good talk Toast. I'd be toast. Like that. That is the correct answer for both of us. Like yeah. the fir- even the first incident they had in that cave, in chapter mm. two, maybe right. I would have been done. Like there would there would have oh, been yeah. two chapters. It would have been like, and this concludes our adventures with Nancy Drew. Yeah. I yeah. I mean, I think you know this. I don't know if you remember this, but I had a, I had a near miss once. Uh, I do remember in this Australia, <laughs> where. Yeah. Little Karen, well, college Karen, went swimming at Noosa Beach and did not know about things called riptides. And then I learned. I learned real quick. I And I uh, uh, I had to get hauled. in the worst way possible. I had to get hauled out. But I made it and uh, have not done any ocean swimming since. No, no, no water-based <laughs> activities since no then? Cave, no cave diving like Nancy. Yeah. yeah. I know how to swim. Um, I'm glad to in, hear like, that. <laughs> enclosed containers, like, you know, like in a, in like a pool or like a big a big tub. I was gonna say um, a, a Rubbermaid bin. <laughs> a rubber, a rubber, a, 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 a Tupperware situation, right? Like if push came to shove. But uh, I, I don't know if you remember this or not, or if it was if this was just like my own experience, and then you were also next to me while it happened. So I don't know if we like lived the same experience or not. I but can't wait for whatever you're about to say. <laughs> I just remember so vividly, mom forcing us to like as a good mother should like she. This is no shade on mom, um, forcing us to take swim lessons in the summer. Oh yeah. Uh, and our reward was we got to watch Lamb Chop, which is just honestly the worst reward ever. But after Lamb Chop was Matlock. And yes. so I blame swim lessons for my obsession with this whole thing because I watch Matlock every summer day 
like starting at seven years old. I did not know you had beef with a lamb chop. Like I would like to double click on that in the future, but that is neither here nor there. <laughs> I wanted something a little more tangible. I, well, you know, I am I am slightly younger than you, so there was a lamb chop for me, Matlock for you. You know, it all adds up. <laughs> Kelly, I have I have two life updates that I would like to share with you. Oh, please share away actually what you know these updates it's more to share with our listeners but i was remiss in our last episode when i gave my big life update that garrett and i bought a house we moved to ypsilanti we love it i'm currently recording in the bedroom closet (laughs) because which i'll be posting a picture of (laughs) our moving truck has not arrived after three weeks and we have no stuff so this is the only place with no echo however the most important update for our listeners, if you listened to our very first episode, episode numero uno, where we announced that we were going to read The Bungalow Mystery, you and I had a little bit of a back and forth about not knowing what a bungalow was. Yes, and I was ultimately proven wrong. Well, I'm a big enough person to admit that. We were both wrong because I said, were we? I said, I think it's fancy, like on a beach. And you said, and you said, I think it's not. I think it's a shack plot twist we <laughs> bought a bungalow <laughs> i currently which, live in a bungalow <laughs> which i also live in a bungalow insane yeah i mean it's also the dollhouse that i have not yet completed is a bungalow but how would i had no idea how did we end up with so many bungalows in our lives at any rate it I turns know, out i'm i'm so happy for you and i believe you should share with everyone what you have named the bungalow oh our bungalow is named betsy we call her betsy the house and i just i love her betsy i'm she's a she's an old she's an old girl she was built in 1928 and i'm sure there's at least two clues in that basement i i have found several clues which we will talk about in the future but there are many things that i have unearthed in this house that i are head scratchers indeed indeed um maybe maybe don't want to know the origin story i don't i didn't get your permission to give this update but i'm giving it anyway i also was remiss in our last episode in announcing your birthday it was kelly's birthday everyone and she had a great milestone that i will not announce she turned 25 (laughs) (laughs) um she can now No, i turned the big 4-0 yes happy birthday and i'm sorry i didn't say it in the last one but we were that's listen i'm in a closet i don't know what's going on i just wanted everyone to know so tell kelly that you love her um she is the best did you have a good b-day i did it was very chill i had just gotten back from i took myself on a little birthday trip to visit a friend in new york cute and i had just gotten back and was kind of like i had exactly the right amount of celebration let's put it that way it was pretty chill so that's delightful yeah well thank you thanks for the shout out so um i don't really have any life updates So I thought I would take my space in the schedule to share a listener email that we got. Oh, yay. Um, And we have gotten permission to share this. This this email is from Linda. Hi, Linda. And I'm I'm just going to share about half of it. She says, thanks, Karen and Kelly, for this lovely podcast, which I recently discovered courtesy of a recommendation in the New York Times. Congratulations. Thank you. I am currently on episode 11, The Clue in the Diary, and just loving your takes on these books, which I haven't read in years, but recall vividly. 
Anyway, I just wanted to let you know that I work with a lady who was born in 1915. Yes, her name is Lucille, and she is 106 years old. Wow. She is almost completely blind and deaf, but still races around with her walker like a mere lass of 90. (laughs) (laughs) Which, talk about goals, right? (laughs) Totally. Um, And she still has gorgeous skin, a cloud of thick white hair, beautiful blue eyes, and a very sharp mind. I love this so much. So I asked her if she ever read the Nancy Drew mysteries, and she instantly responded that she remembered them fondly and had enjoyed them very much. They would have come out when she was 15 years old. It happens that a woman in her late teens overheard us talking and exclaimed that she had also read most of the Nancy Drew books and adored them. (gasps) Stop. and And we all three proceeded to have a wonderful conversation. I'm almost 60, so there we were, separated by decades, but sharing this cultural touchstone. Isn't it great that these books form a continuous thread through the generations? It also occurs to me that when you have questions like, what's a sports dress? Or did women (laughs) in the 1930s work out in the gym? You might ask an older person about it. These books provide evidence for tracing how our culture changes over the years. I just thought that was such a cool email. And like, I mean, what an awesome thing. People that are teenagers today and people that are over 100 years old today. Yes all love nancy that's pretty cool i so. i am an easy crier and i'm 100 percent crying here yeah I, a little, little trickle linda that was amazing thank you for sharing this with us and thank you for listening i uh, i love it i love this so much <laughs> <laughs> yes thank you for thank you for writing in linda and if anybody else has stories like that they want to share please hit us up we'll um there's a form on our website or you can email us. We'll leave all that in, uh, in the show notes, but um, just let us know in your email if we can share it. Cause we, we may want to share it on the show. So yes. Okay. So that was my new email section. And then I'm going to introduce a new pod section. Mm, I love to it. The show, which we discussed. So, you know, I, this is, <laughs> this is with full approval, but um, announcing drum roll, recommendation station um so karen and i were talking and like we're we're huge readers which is probably apparent but uh you know we're constantly talking about new books that are coming out or recommendations we have and some of those are maybe maybe things that you all would enjoy reading too so we thought heck we'll we'll try to share one or two things on the show every week and you know take it or leave it so some of some of these books might be like quote-unquote on brand you know kind of in keeping with our teen sleuthy thing and others may just be things that (laughs) sleuths um (laughs) and others may not be they may just be things that we enjoy so um anyway karen would you like to announce our 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 recommendation recommendation station book this week i am so honored i didn't know that i was going to get to announce this this is the greatest gift of all i threw it to you with no planning (laughs) i'm so excited okay we are both so excited that lily sparks who was on the podcast has written the sequel to teen killers club it is available you can buy it right now it's called teen killers in love and it continues the adventures of signal deer who we fell in love with in the first book i cannot wait to see what happens in this book we kelly and i both we made an agreement that we would not start without each other we've both acquired the book now we're gonna have to find a day because i'm gonna read this in one setting without question so we will have to choose a day to marathon read this but uh 
again teen killers in love by lily sparks if you haven't read the first one yet it's called teen killers club highly recommend oh and anything else kelly i just i'm so excited i I wish you could see my face right now (laughs) no i know i'm super excited i ran down to my i so, so the one rec- the one update I guess I do have is that a bookstore has opened literally like 45 yards from my front front porch. You're which living is the dream. Simultaneously the best and worst thing that's ever happened to me. Like, <laughs> I'm just like, huh, I'm bored. I'm going to go to the bookstore. Yep. I mean, it's ridiculous. But um, so, yeah, I ran down there and was like, could you please order this book for me? And I've been like twiddling my thumbs waiting for it to come in and it, it just came in. So yeah, we need to pick some time to, to dig into teen killers and love. Uh, I'm pretty jazzed. Also, if, if you're new to the show or if you, you know, kind of were skipping around based on what Nancy drew books you remembered or whatever, we do have two episodes about teen killers club. One about the book, which is kind of our normal super sleuth format. And then we have one where we interview Lily about, you know, her experience being a published author which is kind of amazing she's amazing kind of it's full amazing (laughs) it is time to discuss nancy drew and the mystery of the tolling bell (laughs) are you are you ready (laughs) i am i'm just i'm just here for sound effects now you're doing great so i don't have a lot of fun facts about this book but i do potentially have a monkey wrench that i might throw into things so first of all this book was written in 1946 it was updated in 1973 which i learned for the first time this week that was kind of the year that the stratemeyer syndicate uh did a major rewrite of all of the nancy drew and hardy boys books so Mm -hmm. for pretty much every single one of these we've read there are two versions um and once this was problematic because you and i accidentally read different versions of the same book and they were so different <laughs> we did wasn't that the um it was the cat the one with all the cats yes it was the cat book which yeah i don't recall the name of the now. tapping heels you have an incredible memory <laughs> the tapping heels mm-hmm. um, i could so picture the cover i have an important question um yes how many chapters slash pages did your book have because i'm slightly worried we may have read different books again um i learned that the original has 25 chapters and the revised edition has 20 chapters and mine mine had the you know traditional allotted like 178 pages or something like that okay Um, we should be the same then it mine had 20 chapters okay okay Minded Crisis as well. averted. <laughs> Crisis averted. I <laughs> downloaded the ebook from the library, and it had that was the only one that was available to me. And then I read this, and I was like, "Uh oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh no, <laughs> oh dear." Okay, we are on the same page. All right, uh, that is literally. I, I have no other fun facts about this book, but we have many things to discuss. So I will pause on that okay. for now. <laughs> well, shall I give our one sentence plot submission winner? Yes, please. All right. So first of all, we had like, I think we had somewhere in the 15 to 20 entries this time, which is by far and away blown our previous like best entry submission rate out of the water. I don't know words. Um, So I'm picking my favorite, but I will say they were all fully on point. So So many good ones. Please keep playing. We do this through our Instagram, so if you're on Instagram, keep an eye out if you want to play. 
anyway, so the whole, just since we're kind of like catching up after a bit of a hiatus, we ask people to give us one sentence, what they think the book is about based entirely off of the cover. So no cheating if you've read it before. Like, yeah, you know, just based on the cover, what do you think? So here we go. Quote, Mildred Wirt Benson tries to keep Nancy young, but the Grim Reaper doesn't get the message. Perfect. I love it. I love it. This this was submitted by Calvin, who is 11, (laughs) via his mom, who on Instagram is at Marie Mo or Marie M.O. Calvin. Amazing team effort, both the messenger and the the writer. Uh, <laughs> Calvin, five stars. You blew it away. Out I, of the water. I I love it. I love the creativity, Calvin. I love I, the the wit. Nailed the challenge in one. So, without further ado, Karen, I hate to do this to you, oh. but it is time for today's super fast plot. Well, it it is time, and I listen i'm gonna give credit where credit is due this week's overview comes largely from wikipedia because uh wow was this oh my gosh the i it's been a while but this might be the most complicated nancy plot yet uh a million characters Um, i I just i don't even have words so all props three plot lines maybe four i maybe a million i don't even know at this point but all props go to the pedia for breaking down this (laughs) incredibly complicated (laughs) plot all right here i go me 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 i'm gonna do a little vocal warm-up Nancy, Bess, and George travel to the picturesque seaside town of Candleton to meet Carson Drew's client, a woman named Mrs. Chantray, who has been cheated out of money by buying phony stock from a cosmetics company. On the way, they stop in Fisher's Cove, where Bess buys expensive Moncur perfume from a suspicious woman. Upon arrival in Candleton, they meet busy Mrs. Chantray at her restaurant, the Sal Sandy Shop, and help out as waitresses for a day. While waiting on tables, Nancy meets a mysterious diner named Amos Hendrick. He tells her of his search for a missing Paul Revere bell. When he leaves, Nancy finds a piece of paper that he dropped with a mysterious message on it and gives it to Mrs. Chantray for safekeeping. When Mr. Drew fails to join the girls as planned, Nancy is worried. She soon finds that he has been kidnapped and left in a hotel. She rescues her father, who thinks that he has been drugged. Meanwhile, Nancy also becomes interested in the local story of Amy McGuire, who married a man named Ferdinand Slocum, despite her parents' disapproval. While talking with Mrs. Chantre and the other residents of Candleton, they tell her of a cave which is said to be inhabited by a ghost who rings a bell every time water rushes through it. Nancy investigates and is swept into the sea by rushing water until she is rescued. This does not stop her, and she continues to investigate the cave which lies directly under the McGuire house. Then, Nancy discovers that many other residents of Candleton, besides Mrs. Chantre, have been scammed into buying fake stock in the Moncur brand, too. Nancy eventually tracks down the perfume scammers, finds out the true story of Amy McGuire, uncovers the ghost, and, with the help of the mysterious piece of paper, rescues the tolling bell, which turns out to be the valuable Paul Revere bell that Amos Hendrick was searching for. The end. Well, so, okay, Kelly, before we begin, what is undoubtedly going to be a very academic intelligent literary criticism of this novel uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as they, as they all are yes i would love yes. to hear as always 
your general thoughts and musings that you'd like to share? Great. I would love to tell you. Um, (laughs) I guess my first thought is a question, and it is, how not psyched were you that this was about ghosty stuff? Zero. Good talk. I assumed that much. However. Karen's not going to like this. They they threw out the ghost word very, the G word, very early on, and I was not here for it. But you may have noticed Nancy has an immediate rejoinder and says, there must be a logical explanation, which I appreciated. And so I just try to keep her voice in the back of my mind whenever I fear I am about to encounter a ghost and try to remember that physics exists and she will explain yes. it away. So, <laughs> And that if anything has been proven to us time and time again, like if you hear hoof beats, <laughs> it's probably not zebras. It's probably Scooby-Doo. <laughs> You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> <laughs> also, nice use of the word rejoinder. Oh, thank you. I don't you. know that I've ever heard that word out loud before. It's, it's only ever been in, you know, tomes. I don't know how that was so readily available so, to me. It was right there. <laughs> thank it was you. Right on the on the tip of your tongue. <laughs> okay, so uh good talk. Uh next up, other thoughts and musings. Um I will say Bess more than ever before continues to be the voice of reason oh yeah and but she's not like a stick in the mud she's incredibly funny but she's also like no i'm not gonna go back in that cave where we almost died five minutes ago like can we not um amen amen (laughs) bess's logic (laughs) one one of my favorite moments in this book i'm gonna find it really fast because i for some reason didn't write it down there's this point where They've they've already like escaped a very near drowning incident. And Nancy says something to the effect of the next time we go back to that cave, I'll be going and Bess interrupts her and goes alone. <laughs> I don't even remember that. That's awesome. <laughs> and I was like, Well done. Like it it actually caught me off guard. I went back and read it a couple times and was like, Oh, Bess, you I like you more and more as the days go by. She's like, um, lose my number. I didn't Yeah. I just yes. I came here for vacation. <laughs> that cave, zero stars. Will not return. Um Next thought, I was <laughs> here. This isn't this is another best quote, but it like spoke to my soul and my feelings as well. On like page two of the book, literally, Bess says, "Oh, I was hoping the mystery at Candleton would be about something more romantic than money." <laughs> and I audibly, out loud, said, "Girl, same." I like, had yes, <laughs> same reaction. I highlighted it. I love yes. Yep, I was like, yeah, I think we're all there. Like, enough with the fraud stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so so my last general, like, is this general thoughts and musings? Is that what this is? It is. It's all coming back to me. Yeah. I'm, I'm remembering. It's like we um, never It's like we never got off the water horse. Like we never said goodbye? <laughs> <laughs> like we never got off the water horse. That was a Nancy Drew oh reference, gosh, everyone, in was, case man, you haven't read every like, book. <laughs> This is like Easter eggs inside Easter eggs. My goodness. <laughs> how deep does it go? Um, speaking of how deep does it go, is it is it just me or is it completely inconceivable that like no one knows about this hidden passage into the cave? I... Like people have died there. Wouldn't there have been investigations? Like also there's there's full on like man doors 
back in this cave that yes. I, I just I I'm like that's not naturally forming I you know yeah. somebody would be like I bet there's something behind that door that some human built it it seems a bit odd Kelly and I'm having trouble suspending my disbelief I knew you were gonna say that because I was about to say the same thing <laughs> I was about to say the Seriously? exact same thing yes <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying so hard. I know. I know. <sighs> well, it's like I just I think this is a an editorial problem. <laughs> well, okay. So mm. I have one gripe and one accolade. Mm. I oh, like I like that. I'm going to end on a high note. So, I'm going to start with my gripe. <laughs> this book was so complicated and I know I already said that, but part of my gripe is that there were 9,000 characters in this book, and typically, when there are this many people in the cast, so to speak, you can ignore some of them because they will never return. <laughs> and you're like, that's exactly right. This does not matter. However, like, and- for example, the the character that I, I'm sorry, I totally interrupted. No, you, no, no. But like, when when we have a named character that has lines in the play, I am not expecting that they disappear for forever. I right? agree. Agreed. Like, that would be like casting a TV star as a random person in SVU who doesn't turn out to be the villain. Like, right. that would never happen. You don't do it. It is not done. Thank you. In this book, though, you would have been remiss to ignore these fully named characters because they all came back in the end. <laughs> and they much. were all somehow involved in the very complex denouement mm-hmm. of this mystery. Every every single one um so well also they all kind of looked like each other with a couple of dramatic exceptions and they all had like 19 aliases yes they did they did french aliases spanish aliases yes yes even even the the fraudulent perfume brand had an alias it did it did it was moncour and then something chimes something chimes triple chimes three chimes it had a bell logo i i i i started keeping a notepad trying to keep track of who all these people were because i'm like i'm not it was like a a dostoevsky novel like the brothers (laughs) karamazov over here i know so well brothers karamazov is the sequel to this they just turn into (laughs) the russian (laughs) alias (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Would that that were true. I love this idea. Also, um, when you said the Brothers Karamazov, I was like, oh, yeah, the book by Tchaikovsky, which is not correct. <laughs> That's the second Russian <laughs> creative that I know. Oh, I'm anyway. so glad we're doing this after work when <sighs> our minds are fresh as daisies. <laughs> Me too. I was I was on the struggle bus on Saturdays when we were trying. I was like, I don't I'm not awake yet. But here we are. Ugh. Here we are. Here we are. Um, Would you like to hear? Were you being sarcastic? Are you not as fresh as a daisy? Oh, no, girl. It's like, what time is it even? Six o'clock? It's six o'clock. Six p.m.? We've been working. I've got two hours before bed. I've been good. I've been troubleshooting audiobooks throughout the day. You know, I'm... Love it. You're you're living the dream. (sighs) Would you like to hear my accolade for this book? I'm sorry, I would. I'm (laughs) deviating from the script here, yes, please. The best George line of all time is in this book oh my gosh tell me she busted 
a funny that was I this was the line that made me laugh out loud I was hysterical to the point that Garrett walked in the room and asked if I was okay which I was not because I was crying <laughs> so just oh God, prior to the the Drew crew getting sucked into the cave and almost dying in like chapter one or two they see a person on top of this cliff with a rusty telescope and mm-hmm. George's immediate reaction to this is, and I quote, I hate people with telescopes. They have an unfair advantage. Like, what? (laughs) So, like, how has she developed such a firm stance on this and such a hatred (laughs) for all people with telescopes? Like, immediately, I hate people with telescopes. What? (laughs) Unfair advantage. I, I... I just, I have encountered very few telescopes in my life, but it seems like that is not the case for George. <laughs> Every telescope I've ever encountered has been like attached to a concrete block. And when I put my 10 cents in to try to look at a bird or whatever, it didn't work. So <laughs> I also don't like telescopes, but I think for very different reasons. You were robbed. <laughs> Disappointment. Yes, robbery. Oh, okay. Well, that concludes my general thoughts and musing. So I feel like we will move on to mm-hmm. where we talk about our favorite parts of this book. Yes, this is this is my favorite part of the book. So <laughs> the book of the, the book. The podcast? The <laughs> mm-hmm. What's happening? Um, okay, I think you should start because you've, you've, uh, you should start. Okay, well, I have two favorites that I can't okay. choose between. So number one. Also, there's an illustration of this moment, which we will post because it is absurd. But Nancy falls into a stupor. So coming out of this cave and this cliff that we have discussed is a noxious gas that these chemists are emitting to try to keep people away from their lair. And it makes you fall into, it basically makes you pass out, um, Mm -hmm. which Nancy does. And as she's coming to... She is, in fact, being carried away from this location by two gentlemen, one whose name is Grumper and one whose name is Franz, Franz, which is amazing. Um, And we learn that these two men are shorter than average height. And for some reason in her stupor, she thinks she's dreaming that she's being carried away by elves. And there is a drawing of this, like, actual, like, little santa claus elves carrying nancy across a cliff and it is probably something i'm going to frame and put on the wall of this house if i'm being completely (laughs) honest it's great i just i loved that it was depicted as a dream Mm -hmm. you know that was so funny also i hate the name grumper i don't know who came up with that but it's like a it's like he's one of the seven dwarves or something but we but it was trademarked and they didn't want to get in trouble with disney exactly i don't know exactly exactly my second favorite part is directly related so carson also falls prey to this gas um he gets in a cab with one of these villains and she drops some of this onto his jacket he starts going in and out of this stupor. Um, he's being held captive in a hotel. And Nancy finally finds him in this hotel. And the the way they wrote about Carson 
being messed up on this stuff was just very much like the David after dentist video that went viral on the internet. It's like a like yes, a little kid who just had like a tooth pulled on laughing gas and he's just kind of like giggling and flopping all over the place. He like accidentally wanders away. It is so amazing. Like we see this other side of Carson who's usually very buttoned up and is now uh, mm-hmm. just high as a kite. And I really liked that. <laughs> yep. And that's and I and I attribute the the cover art of Nancy looking a little bit out of sorts to she's coming out of the drugged stupor <gasps> situation. That's super smart. I did not put that together. That mm-hmm. makes perfect sense. I, that's what I'm gonna go with at least. So, <laughs> uh, yeah the the whole the whole Carson thing was uh, in general a great part of the book partially for the reason you mentioned like it was hilarious but also because it's kind of high stakes which we haven't gotten in a while but like Carson getting kidnapped drugged repeatedly and then Nancy lured to the location all very exciting I'm I gotta say I'm not real sure why Nancy went to uh, the hotel yeah like I mean, she she made the right decision, but it was, she got lucky, right? She did. Like, she almost got nabbed herself. She almost got or, nabbed. Or murdered. Or, or murdered. And, but she goes because Ned's like, I'll trail ya and make sure nothing happens. I mean, is Ned not a tish overconfident in his abilities? Like, there's a whole gang of bad guys and he's like you know what go ahead and go to the meet i got you i know these fists and my football muscles and my insurance salesman capabilities (laughs) we're gonna talk about that later (laughs) we are gonna talk about that goes under least favorite parts okay is it my turn is it my turn is it my turn yes please okay good talk so my absolute favorite part of this book was the cafe oh that yes nancy and co are like volunteer waitressing in mm-hmm. and they, they're like no problem we'll waitress with zero training and as they're just waiting on tables they're like yeah that seems like something we can make and you know i i guess that's how this works so they start learning the items that are available and and the most popular item at the Sal Sandy restaurant, or I guess it's like Sal Sandy, like salad sandwich, Sal Sandy, Yep, is something called a dandy tart. (laughs) I knew you were going to bring this up. (laughs) Which is a hot fish pudding with salmon meringue. Oh, all I'm going to say, all I'm going to (laughs) say is that this is obviously our next cooking episode. No, thank you. Agreed. I'm gonna. Um, I'll, I'll hire a stand-in for that because I will tell you things I will not be cooking or making a salmon meringue. <laughs> I mean, it does sound genuinely repulsive. Also, like, what's a hot fish pudding? I mean, I could Google it. I was afraid. I'm guessing I was it's afraid like of what would come up. A chicken pot pie, but with fish. But it says pudding. <laughs> It so does. is there gelatin in it? It like, does say that. I don't know. Uh, I didn't it Google sounds, it because it sounds way more viscous than I want my fish to be. <laughs> I, I I was scared of what I would find if I looked for a photo, but it but might be time. Apparently, it was so popular that it's that's the third sil- syllable in the name. So like, 
Sol Sandy or Sal Sandy, it's salads, sandwiches, and dandy tart. I, uh, I'm like, okie dokie. It's a bestseller. <laughs> it's a hit. I'm guessing that she uh, did not have to seek investors for this business because I think that's a hard sell, but what do I know? <laughs> um, also, I will just say White Cat Bay in, in general sounds fantastic. Oh, I agree. I would book an Airbnb there tomorrow. Mm. Oh, I would move. Like... <laughs> Let's just go. Karen, it's it's like number one export is scented candles, and it's number two export is saltwater taffy. What's not to love? I love a scented candle. I, Same. I will I love it while I all. eat my saltwater taffy. <laughs> like, mmm, taffy. You know what would be better with this? Pumpkin spice candle. It did sound mm. really pleasant, and also there were lots of activities there that one could do. Like, there were... Like drowning in caves? No, Kelly, like fun activities. Like there was a dance that they went to. It's true. There was a dance. Mixers and mingling and restaurants. I'm in. I'm here for it. Let's go. Sister vacation uh, 2023. 2023? That came out weird. (laughs) Yeah. We'll go get us some hot fish pudding. No, me won't. <laughs> no, not so much. What else? Any other favorite parts? Um, let's see. Oh, I know what we should talk about. Mm. Millie. Millie, the chicken farm daughter. The chicken farm daughter. So there is a character oh, named Millie, Millie who, bless her heart. Um, so Millie is a disenfranchised youth. I don't even know what that means. Millie is not happy living on the farm with her parents. And Millie, I kind of think, is like a teenager and she like wants to see the big city, but she's working on this chicken farm. Yep. I think that's I think that's the perfect description. And she decides that she's running away from home. However, she the next thing you know, thoroughly modern Millie happens. Is that everything mm, today? Is there really? Nope. Wrong show. Okay, it all it's all coming together. Brothers Karamazov. I mean, (laughs) Look at all like of these the references artistic Venn diagrams. <laughs> um, so Millie says, "I'm going to peace out. I've had it with the chicken farm." And no sooner does she do said piecing out than she falls into the clutches of the Moncour cosmetics gang, yep. and they're like, "We need a model essentially to demonstrate how great these cosmetics are. Will you be our?" demonstrative <laughs> just they, make they want her to be like they're before and they're after yes so she i don't know a fancy word for that that was perfect i mean that that was exactly correct and so she is supposed to meet up with the snake oil salesman essentially uh to do these demonstrations and she's supposed to show up looking haggard and unkempt and then they're gonna put the cosmetics all over her and then she'll be beautiful and everyone will buy millions of dollars of this stuff exactly um but the one time that we know that this is happening nancy decides to go see the demonstration to look for clues and millie gets stood up by the villains like she shows up all haggard and they say she's looking very pallid and wan and uh she shows up as standing on the steps of the candleton hotel and no one ever comes to do the demonstration so i you know heartbreaking yeah but there is a happy ending there is nancy nancy's like ned fire up the buick and she drives her (laughs) back to 
her home and Millie's like they're gonna be so mad at me they're not gonna be happy to see me but they're super happy to see her of so course they it are. ended exactly the way we wanted it to because they wanted her to come back and finish her chicken farm chores yeah she's like who's gonna clean out these chicken coops <laughs> not gonna clean themselves <laughs> I think that was my my other favorite thing. But anything else before we move on that you would like to laud? Um, a couple of quick things. We won't get too deep. They do, we get a full lineup, which I love. I love anytime they're like Nancy, come do a lineup for us. <laughs> completely outside of the bounds of any kind of legal system or due process. Good point. So we just like pulled this together real quick you know they're like eh, you said it's her okay like ethel birdie gordon come in here you you kind of look like this little french lady and 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 then we've got carson who's like don't screw this up seriously it's, don't screw this it's up. the one in you the middle shot <laughs> seriously i was like carson first of all you have a lot of like you're offering a lot of opinions and a lot of pressure for someone who has done literally less than nothing on this case like you have actually added complications and needed to be saved into it rather than assisting in any way so true so a little less comment out of you second of all you're an attorney could you not put your thumb on the scale so hard i'm just saying he did he did lean heavily into accusation number two all of a sudden we're told a couple of times in this book Oh, Nancy always carries a flashlight with her. She oh. would never go anywhere without a flashlight. I'm so glad you brought this up, Kelly. Uh-huh. I also yelled, and I said, we are on book, what, like 3,000? And yes. I cannot even begin to enumerate the number of times Nancy has not had a flashlight when she She's never had a flashlight. <laughs> she has never once had a flashlight. This is the first time ever she's ever had a flashlight. And so part of me is like, we're learning we're growing and we're learning <sighs> that's maybe she'll start leaving notes when she goes on dangerous adventures Could, don't get ahead like don't, <laughs> just one win at a time but part of me is also like you know i think it would have been the hidden staircase for me i'm sure we all remember all of our expostulating about how nice it would have been to have a flashlight and a I think I would have been, after book two, would have been like, you know what might be handy for a girl sleuth in, uh, you know, the dark northeast is a, a routinely carried flashlight. I agree. But no, it's taken till book 23. So I'm like, let's, I just, I, I have a little bit of resentment. I feel like we should have been cited as like, thank you for the recommendation, Karen and Kelly. I know. I know. Well, at least we know she's safe now for now for for now <laughs> for now okay my last favorite thing i'm sorry i'm hogging the section but no 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 we we have got to talk about ned oh girl ned showed up in a weird way in this a book very like not a very off-putting way well it was a he wasn't terrible in the book but well yeah. he just kind of magically enters the plot with little pomp and circumstance when they say mm -hmm. Nancy's friend Ned happened friend first of all Ned mm -hmm. happened to be in town nearby selling insurance to the parents of a college friend and I am mm -hmm. paraphrasing but that's pretty close no, that's, that's <laughs> correct 
Yeah, I was like, okay, so aren't we on like career number 14 of Ned's? Yes. Yes, we are. Like, did he flunk out of chemistry school? <laughs> Apparently. And and got fired from being a camp counselor. And <laughs> I mean, so many things that yeah. just have not worked out for Ned. But now he's not even a good insurance salesman because he's driving like 14 hours to sell maybe two pieces of insurance to friends. Like... What are you doing, my man? I what yeah. I don't know. I don't I, know. I I don't think the ROI is there. What do maybe I know? maybe not, he's expensing his gas. I'm sure he is. <laughs> Seems like a Ned thing to do. It does. I will also just say, like, they are not romantic with each other. Like, no. This is, like, I don't even see him trying to be romantic with her, but she is super not with him, to the point where it's like he is a pair of wheels. And a ride and some muscle. Some backup and, muscle, yes. Yeah, and he tends to buy her dinner before she goes and gets them both in dangerous situations, which I'm sure is helpful. But, like, there does not seem to be a lot of romance going on. No, you, would you yeah. say there's no chemistry? <laughs> oh. No wonder he failed. Oh, I'm sorry. I had to. I had to. It's like, I just can't make the thing with the thing do the thing. Oh, man. I just, uh, insurance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it does not, this book taken in isolation, you could have knocked me over with a feather if you said this is the romantic interest in this book. I Correct. would never have believed it. No, if you told me he was her brother, I would have believed that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ned. Well, I have something that I would like for you to talk about. Oh, my yeah, My dear please. sister. Um, we have a portion of this podcast that we have done historically where you... As an expert in all things true crime and mystery, etc., talk about what it would have been awesome to have happened instead of what actually happened that would have made this a more intriguing mystery. Did you have Fair enough. any of I those? Do have, I do have some notes. Excellent. Okay. Um, I'm going to start with my favorite one first, okay? And, and not just my favorite one, but truly, like, were I the editor, I would make this change. So throughout the book, our our Drew Crew gals are being called in to be like emergency fill-in wait staff at the Sauce Indy Cafe. Yes. Because people keep calling in sick by like the droves. Constantly. Okay? So like it's constant. Um and, and there's it's never explained why. So Good it's point. just we constantly have like I mean literally three or four servers all calling out sick the same day yeah and historically these have been really great employees da, 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 da. like we haven't heard that there's like any kind of big drama going on so all i'm saying is is that it would what i would have liked to be completely honest is if we had been able to get rid of this entire subplot with ah mr H is a hendrick mr hendrix yes hendrix and his missing jeweled bell, which just could have gone away entirely and made zero difference. If we'd gotten rid of that, and, and, and what instead we were doing at the restaurant was investigating why all of these, you know, wait staff members were getting sick. <gasps> and Good point. tied that back into the Moncor products. <gasps> and Nancy discovers that what's actually happening is that 
they're all being constantly poisoned because they're using the shady lipstick that Mom is selling them. M.G. And so she's she she does interviews with the waitresses and they're like, oh, yeah, we all bought these lipsticks. And then we started not feeling good, whatever, whatever, whatever. And that's how she kind of figures out that she needs to have a chemist look at these products. You are a genius. I don't know about that, but I would have loved that. Like That, that is, would have been a more consistent through line. For that me. is so smart. That is so, so smart. I love it. Thank you. That was my best one. Okay, my next one is, it would have been awesome if Bess had gotten her $7 back at the end of the book from that, when she bought that bogus perfume at the beginning and then she was like ashamed the rest of the book. I wanted Nancy to be like, your honor, we'll forego the death penalty as long as Bess gets her $7 back. Yeah, vengeance for Bess. She felt so bad that she got scammed and I'm like, girl, it's okay. It could happen to anybody. It is okay. I mean, although in 1948 or whatever, $7 was probably like 3000 Totally. Saying. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, I can't pay my rent now. <laughs> right. Um, it would have been awesome if, uh, this is my last one. It would have been awesome if Bess had stuck up for herself a little bit more in this book. Like, the, the, we're not even getting into all the fat shaming nonsense that George does to Bess continuously. Constantly. Like starting on literally on page one. Yep. So I would have loved it if when Bess literally drags George out of, is it the ocean, the sea, a lake, whatever it is, like she swims in yards into this body of water and oh, yeah. has to pull George, swimming with George, like in a cross body maneuver out of the water to save her life. I would have really loved it if Bess had just been like, and I will hear no more about my caloric intake from you, ma'am. Oh, a hundred percent. That I mean, listen. I just mentioned at the beginning of this that I similarly was hauled out of the ocean in Australia. Can you imagine mm-hmm. if I had thrown shade at that person afterwards? I ca- George. I right. So I completely agree. Like, get her, Bess. Get get her. I thought it was very yeah. generous of her to save her after all of the. I agree. Cruel words. I don't want to say cruel things about the Drew crew, but like, I was glad it wasn't Bess out there in the water because that would have just given George fodder to be mean to her. I know. I know. Bess is. I mean, I thought George was, you know, Bess is a hero. I love Bess. Um, Okay, so it's your turn now, Karen. We get to go into Nancy's, uh, like, list of qualifications. Oh, yes. How did we put it? Her never-ending resume. Thank you. Her never-ending resume. So, Karen, who is Nancy in this book? Nancy Drew, number one, we learn, Mm -hmm. in the words of George, that she is basically a professional athlete. (laughs) Which, fair. uh, Seems like an exaggeration, though. (laughs) So, basically how this comes up is that uh, when Nancy keeps, she's like, I just keep getting to the top of this cliff and passing out, and I don't know why, and... We now know because it's because she's being poisoned by gas leaking out of the ground. However, Nancy's immediate reaction is like, I got to make sure. Well, so George says, that's impossible. You're like a professional athlete. You would never be winded going up that cliff. So Nancy's reaction then is that she's like, I got to make sure I still got it, guys. So she goes home to this inn that they're staying at. 
and then proceeds to run up and down the stairs like a million times and she and she does and she's like no i'm not winded at all it must be something else which is so absurd to me and so funny just picturing her like it's like time me guys i gotta go up and down the stairs 20 times like check and see if i pass out yeah and she didn't so just just like also i'm gonna point out that i believe if you were to you know like look this up professionalism is determined based on one's ability to make money from doing that get thing. paid right so nancy is not even a professional sleuth much less a professional am- kelly professional athlete kelly this ties in perfectly to my second thing you just set okay. me up for success my right, second right. item on this list is that Nancy in this book really loves volunteer waitressing, which I hated that. Yeah. Sub note, Nancy loves volunteer everything because (laughs) she she never gets paid for anything that she does, as you said, including sleuthing. So I, Mm -hmm. my wish for Ms. Drew is that she would know her worth and accept payment (laughs) for the several full-time jobs that she does. (laughs) Exactly. Like, it doesn't need to be athleting. No. It, but sleuthing, I mean, it'd be nice. It'd be nice. Or, you know, I mean, it was a nice thing of her to do with the waitressing, but, like, she didn't even keep her tips. No. No, she did not. So, fortunately, Carson seems to have very deep pockets. So, she's, I she's mean, like, she. I don't need your money. She no. has had several new vehicles since we have encountered her first and has destroyed several boats, which have just magically been paid for. So she's fine. However, get a paycheck. It would be nice. It would be nice. Yes. Um, Okay. Two more things. She takes her promises incredibly seriously. She is a woman of her word. And the reason I bring this up in this book is that she has a perfect opportunity to actually tail one of these criminals and probably like close the case about halfway through this book, maybe three quarters of the way through the book. I'm exaggerating. However, she has agreed as part of this volunteer waitressing to drive to a farm, pick up some berries and bring them back to the Sal Sandy tea shop. And so she, she's like, Oh, I could solve this mystery, but I I have to deliver these berries first. <laughs> so she almost sinks the whole story because no pun intended. She's got <laughs> that was accidental, and I'm so happy it happened. <laughs> she's got this trunk full of berries. She's got to bring back, and I'm like, the berries mm-hmm. will be fine. Get the yeah. get solve the mystery anyway. I- Interestingly, I had a I had a very different take on this. I was like. This is the first time Nancy's actually, like, done what she said she was going to do. Because <laughs> the whole time I was like, Nancy is the worst volunteer employee ever. I mean, she just keeps, like, leaving, you know, leaving her employer because somebody drove by on a dirt road and she needs to go. Follow. But you're right. You're right. This is probably not the time to worry about, like, the shortcake over what's his name grumper 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 and franz yeah i agree Uh, yeah no you're right you're right and then last but not least not to beat a dead water horse but um (laughs) she is still (laughs) not letting ned get an ounce of satisfaction she is a queen 
absolute queen. I loved it. So yes. at the end of the book, last... That was my favorite part. Last lines of this book. Ned yes. is teasing her, and he says, you only pay attention to me if there's a mystery involved. And she laughs in his face and says, hmm, Ned, someday I promise to listen to you. The end of the entire book. I scream. Five stars. I scream. <laughs> Five she stars. Yes. does not no care. And I... No. She's my hero. Yep. Uh, someday I promise to listen to you. Like, we'll see. Girl, like, I just, maybe, you know. Uh, bless her heart. I love her. We're nearing our conclusion. So, as always, did you have any open questions that are lingering in your mind that you'd like to discuss? I, I have a big one, okay? Okay. So, did Nancy really just, like, steal that Paul Revere bell that was sitting back in that cave to be a warning device for people to flee the scene when the tide was coming in. <gasps> she did. Yeah, she... she was just like, this is nice. I think I think this 200-year-old bell that everybody's like willing to pay tens of thousands of dollars for that is also literally keeping people from drowning. A safety look mechanism. Nice on my mantle. Yeah. Yes, she does. She she clambers back in that cave. She's like, "Oh, here's the bell that's been ringing this whole time." <gasps> Paul Revere bell. Mine. I'm going to bring Find it up your back keepers. home. Yep. Yeah. Yep. You are correct. That did happen. Yeah. I, <laughs> I don't know. I think I think there can really be some more horrible happenings there at the base of bald man cave or whatever it is bald head cave. bald head cave yeah you're I right that name yeah. danger well okay so my open question so maybe i missed this but or maybe i am just assigning too much meaning to a throwaway detail but when nancy is volunteer waitressing and mr hendrix the bell collector comes in there is mention of the fact that he leaves her a tip and it's mm-hmm. it's a coin they're mm-hmm. like he he left a coin behind and it says she put it in her pocket with the intention of later putting it in the tip jar, but then became distracted. And then it just, so it remained with her. Hmm. To me, this indicated that this was some sort of clue. Oh, yeah. Karen, I missed this entirely, but it it sounds to me like you're writing a, it would have been awesome if entry. Kind of. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. So that, that should have come back around. The the okay. So the coin never reappeared. All right. Thank you for clear. Mm-hmm. I was I was just convinced that was because there's mention of pirates in this book and right. the bell is like from a lost pirate ship and there's been booty that's been stolen back and forth by booty. by com, combating pirate groups. Um, yeah. So I thought well, it was Karen, maybe it, treasure. Yeah. It would have been awesome if. She gets to the end of the book and goes, man, that was a lot of work for not much pay. And then she puts her hand into her pocket and pulls out <gasps> the old, like, you know, doubloon. You're so and, good at this. And goes, maybe, maybe it wasn't such a loss after all. And then still mm. says the funny line to Ned. And then grabs her bell and then goes, you know. I don't have time for maybe you, Maybe one Ned. day I'll listen to you, Ned. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> love this rewrite i'm here for it (laughs) so should we rate this book oh i would love to so i have decided in honor of george's funniest line ever about hating people with telescopes that Mm. this week we shall rate mystery of the tolling bell out of a 12 possible rusty telescopes 
perfect. I think that's exactly right. Um, I will be giving it six rusty telescopes. Ooh, say more. I mean, there there were too many plots going on, right? It was too complicated and not enough pages to get into it. Um, and the ending I just found completely unsatisfying. Um, yeah, like I feel it just that. all wrapped up way too neatly, and it was. I mean, it doesn't doesn't make sense, right? Like it's it's not believable, which I know is a ridiculous thing to say, but it's just not believable. I know. Um, I would have been much happier, as I said before, if we had just eliminated that entire Mr. Hendricks subplot. Yep, yep. And then we would have been down to really more like the fraud, perfume. Chemistry. Ghost tolling bell thing, right? Yeah. Which all makes sense. We never needed to have that jewel encrusted bell. We so, did not. Um, however, I awarded six rusty telescopes entirely because there were some of truly the best like lol worthy quotes we have ever had that is so true your rating madame independently of you Mm. with no Mm -hmm. collusion Mm -hmm. i also rated this six rusty telescopes (gasps) interesting i don't know that we've ever agreed quite this well before i don't know but same reason super complicated plot i felt like the reveal of this bell at the end was a bit of a letdown. Like, at one point, we thought maybe there was a whole boat stuck in there with a bell right. on it, which would have been sick, but no, it was just, like, mm-hmm. but I, did, I didn't really get it. Um, I did, however, love Nancy's daring do. She saved several lives, best saved lives. I loved that. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that she perhaps foolishly continued to spelunk in a cave that she and all of her friends almost drowned in. Um, and mm-hmm. then I think... Almost all of my six rusty telescopes are because of Bess. Um, she Same. just came in hot with some like lifeguard mm-hmm. skills. She's mm-hmm. such a good friend. She's a good friend. Bess made this book for me. I know. She's funny, man. All right. But well, the, it was, yeah, the quotes. The quotes. On point. Yeah. So six telescopes it is. <laughs> um, well, in our final throws of this episode, Kelly, would you like to tell everyone what we are reading next time? We are. We are re- continuing on book number 24. This will be Nancy Drew and the Clue in the Old Album. Ooh, spooky. Mm. <laughs> uh, I have nothing else to contribute. I haven't. I, I know I read this one when I was a kid because I'm like reading one of my OG copies, but uh, I don't I don't remember anything about it. Do you? I don't. But well... That's not true. The thing that I was going to say is that when I Googled Nancy Drew books in order, <laughs> to, mm-hmm. which I should just bookmark at this point. Uh, I, it's, I have it bookmarked too, yeah. I need to do that. Uh, and I saw the cover. I I felt nostalgia. I recognized the cover. Mm. It, I feel like this is a very, like one of the classic Nancy Drew covers that you see a lot. Kind of like the, the first one with the clock and all of that with stuff. With the spoiler. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I did also see... Uh, a brief overview that says there's a doll collector in this book and I got very excited hoping that it was an American girl doll collector like myself. Probably. (laughs) They're like, Nancy Drew visits the Pleasant Company. She gets her first Samantha. Oh, well, um, well, I did not. I did not know there was a doll component to this, which I find both creepy and intriguing. But I mean, it's yeah. probably one of twelve thousand characters, so who knows how big a deal it is? But we'll see. We'll it's see. True. Well, everyone, 
thank you so much for listening. After our lengthy hiatus, um, if you are so inclined, please rate, review, and subscribe. That would mean the world to us. Uh, if you want to tell a friend that might enjoy this, that would be wonderful. And as always, you can find us on Instagram at It's a Clue Podcast. And if you're so inclined, just remember that we now have a Patreon. So please consider becoming a Helen Corning friend on Patreon, which is basically just a bestie of the show. Uh, we will give shout outs on the show when you become a patron. Uh, and, you know, occasionally we'll have some fun little things on there for you, too. Um, if you're interested in that, you can find us on www.patreon.com slash it's a clue podcast. And Kelly. Yes. Remember what we learned today and Nancy yeah. Drew and the mystery of the tolling bell. What did we learn, Karen? If you're buying something you're going to put directly onto your face. Sometimes it's better to buy name brand over stuff manufactured in a cave. That's a very good call. Specifically, steer clear of Moncur Cosmetics. <laughs> a, a very good call. Yes. No, no, no cave makeup. <laughs> and with that, happy, happy sleuthing. sleuthing. Nailed it. It's a Clue is hosted by Kelly Biscopink and Karen Farmer. Our logo is designed by Courtney Kyle. You can find her on social media at I am Courtney Kyle. The It's a Clue theme song was written and recorded by Danny W. You can find her on Facebook at Danny W Music. Audio engineering is graciously done by our friend Mark Goodlow. It's-